Let's talk about how spiritual disciplines can strengthen your soul and your ministry. We're calling this series of podcasts E-Soul because we're incorporating the knowledge of the Enneagram for our soul. We'll also be bringing insights from our book, Your Best Life in Jesus' Easy Yoke. In the stress points of your life and ministry, the Lord has new graces for your soul. In Soul Shepherding and on this podcast, we integrate Christ-centered spirituality and psychology. Hi, Soul Talks friends. Bill and I are thankful for you and love hearing from you. We heard from several of you in response to our blog, Is the Neogram Christian? And many of you thanked us for that. And I know that Egram's getting really popular and you're hearing about it more and more. In fact, we heard from one woman who we got to meet up at a conference we were doing up in the Northwest. She teaches and leads a, a large Bible study up there. And the leadership team was going to be looking at the Negram, how it might be a helpful tool for them in understanding each other and their community. And there was somebody there that really came very concerned about that. She'd really been hurt by the Neogram at a, a very large company that had used it and had wrongly used it. And people had lost jobs over it because of misuse of it. And so she had kind of done her research and found some of the, the big cautions and negativities and brought that because she was afraid, understandably. And so this is an important conversation and it's a powerful tool, and we want to, like anything that God gives us, we want to use it in His power and for His glory and with great love for God and our neighbor. So we're grateful that you're learning with us in this and seeking to um, learn from Jesus, our master teacher. Yeah, we don't use the Enneagram as a self-help tool. We use it as a discipleship to Jesus tool. We are people of one book. That book is the Bible, and we believe it's inspired and authorized by the Lord Himself. And so that's where we're looking for our wisdom is from the Scriptures. And uh, there are many other uh, sources of wisdom that are consistent with Scripture or can be integrated uh, in there. And the Enneagram is one of those tools that's been super helpful because it's a spiritual psychology tool with all this ancient history behind it. And today we're going to be talking about three intelligence centers, and uh, with all of our podcasts and blogs that relate to the Enneagram, you don't need to be into the Enneagram to benefit from this. We're just talking about three God-given intelligence centers, three ways of knowing and being in the world that are uh, very powerful, and you, you have these three uh, latent within you, and there's one that you specialize in, and the Enneagram is a tool to help you understand what that is and to better harness that. But uh, long before the Enneagram, God's Word is thriving with wisdom and life to help us in this area. As one example, Psalm 63, these psalms are just full of uh, prayer songs and God's wisdom presented to us in delightful ways through uh, real people who are hurting and struggling and trying to make their way in this world and trying to connect with God. And so one of our favorite, favorite psalms, Christy, is Psalm 63. Mm. We bring that into our Soul Shepherding Institute, and we uh, memorize that and, and meditate on that and pray that together. And it's a great, great way for us to uh, connect with the Lord. And, and David, in Psalm 63, he goes right through the intelligence centers. Uh, he begins with the soul, our whole personality. Oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. Then he goes to the, the gut or body type. My flesh faints for you. 
And this psalm is full of body language. My lips will praise you. I will lift up my hands. My mouth will praise you. Uh, talking about going to bed, getting up and moving around is a very physical language here in this psalm and, and throughout the scriptures for that matter. And then, then the heart type, lots of heart language and feeling language in this psalm. Uh, David says, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. I love that line, your, your love is better than life. It's the best thing there is. And uh, lots of language in here about being satisfied and uh, singing with joy and uh, thankful for God's help. And, and then we got the head type. In verse 6 of Psalm 63, when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. And that's a time where a lot of us are, are troubled with thoughts and they're actually feeling thoughts. There's emotion embedded in, in those obsessive or intrusive thoughts that are keeping us awake so that we can't sleep or waking us in the night. And David has learned the secret of meditating on God and renewing the mind through God's word. And many of you know that. Christy and I, we, we do that. We, we love to memorize scripture and to recite those passages, even to each other sometimes, uh, but just in the, those quiet hours of the night, and the Lord helps us to be present. And that's the bottom line in Psalm 63 and throughout the counsel of God's word. And verse 8, we read in Psalm 63, My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. My whole personality, my whole being clinging to God, that's being present in the moment to God who is present to us. And that's some of the wisdom that the Enneagram is also trying to uh, help us understand and get into that moment of uh, now is a day of salvation. Uh, in our culture today, we call it mindfulness, being present in the moment. So that's a little devotional from Psalm 63 on the wisdom of God's word. And the Enneagram is tapping into that. Some of the teachers aren't, uh, don't realize that the wisdom is coming from God, and they're not really leading us to Jesus, but that's what we are about. Absolutely. In that psalm, one of the things I'd love to do is picture myself as being a child clinging on God's you know, shoulder and his arm like I'm a toddler, his arm like a little you know, baby that needs that support there on the side, and I'm just clinging him in his right heart arms of holding me, holding me close to him. And I, I love that because I th remember holding our kids and now our granddaughter mm -hmm. that way. And just that sense of, of closeness with being right there, right present to it. I mean, think about how when I hold our, our children or I've, our granddaughter that way, you know, I'm in whole relationship with her. I feel her body and her presence right there and I'm supporting it. But I'm also very much alert and engaged to what, what's she feeling? What's going on in her heart and her will? And then her mind, you know, what's she thinking? What's she tuning into? What she's looking at? And I love to just kind of see her think even, you know, it, she's she's young enough that she's not verbal yet with talking about what she's thinking, but I can kind of see it and she expresses it and you can see it in her eyes or in, in the way she uses her body. And so that being tuned into her in that whole way, her whole person, it helps me remember God's present to me in all those ways too and, and wants to know me. Is it work in me? So we've got three modes of being, three different ways that we learn anything in life, uh, in our relationships, in our work, in our discipleship to Jesus. There are, are three primary modes of operating, and that to be more intentional about this in our own spiritual growth 
and certainly in our ministry to others, whether you're teaching a Bible study like our friend, or you're preaching sermons, or you're a spiritual director, uh, whatever your context is when you're ministering to other people, to realize that you've got three types of people in the room, whether that's a small group or it's a, a thousands of people in a church service, three different learning styles, and how to speak to all three of those styles, you see. That, that's one of the applications here as we look at these intelligence centers. Yeah, they're learning styles, but they are also each have a unique need that they're all uniquely kind of unconsciously pursuing or seeking as well. So Thomas Keating writes about us each being born with three needs, the need for power and control, which is specifically centered on what the, the gut types, the body types are really focused on getting that need met, and then the need for security and survival, which is what the head types are most centered around and most aware of their need for and seeking, and then the need for esteem and affection, which the heart types are most seeking and, and desiring and wanting. And so it's helpful to understand sort of where you are. You know, Again, we might be in all three places to some extent, but there's probably one of those that is most... Uh, defining of our personality and, and the ways that we are coping in the world. Uh, personality, uh, those of you that have been tuning into these these podcasts will remember that we talk about personality is not not just like, oh, that, that's, that's great, that's your personality, this is my personality, let's celebrate these differences. But we're really taking a deeper look at how personality is actually a defensive mechanism. It, it's ways that we're coping in the world. It's the ways that we're adapting to stress and conflict and pain and sin. And so there's actually a lot about personality that's not healthy mm-hmm. and it's unconscious. And so we want to become aware of that so that we can bring that to the Lord and we can flourish as our, our best personality, our healthiest self, uh, redeemed by Christ and our minds renewed by, by God's Word so that the habitual ways that we're functioning and operating in the world, our personality, is uh, loving so let's let's break it down and share a little bit personally, Bill. You're a, a body type, often I called am. a gut type, which is maybe kind of confusing for some people. Like, what's this guts talk about? That's kind of a, you uh, know, it's like instinct, <laughs> I- impulse. We, we we body types we're we're uh, tuned into our physical surroundings, our environment, and we we react off of that. And uh, even if we're uh, like. Jays on the Myers Briggs, and we're planners. We're organized. We can still be actually very impulsive and reactive because we got this inner intuition, this inner inner uh, desire that emerges from deep within us in situations, and we we want to act on that, and we we want a sense of of independence and control and and power with that, and it's just it's how we've learned to function in the world, and so. If, if you're a gut type, you're probably concerned about matters of justice or right and wrong, and you don't like to be messed with. You, you don't want people controlling you. You're sensitive to that, and you, um, you, you pay attention to your body. And so, like, as a gut type, I'm, like, really into exercise because it helps me be healthy. I feel better. It helps me be more confident. And spiritually, it, it really puts me in touch with the presence of the Lord, so this morning I, I ran five or six miles, and I was just enjoying the, the beauty of God's creation. I was praying, 
and meditating on scripture. And it's just very life-giving for me. It was very much in my body. It was through my body that the Lord was helping me to be awake in my soul and to be uh, happy in the Lord. So even one of the ways you can most enjoy God's presence and tune into Him is through your body, you're saying. Yeah, even even uh, lifting lifting weights or doing stretches and exercises, it helps me feel alive and invigorated. And I actually, as I go through that, I have different little things that I will will pray to, to uh, or meditate on, attune my mind into the Lord. Uh, sometimes I'll I'll go through instead of counting my repetitions, I'll, I'll go through a, a passage of scripture, and it's just keeping me uh, my my soul stout in the Lord's presence, aware of God's grace and goodness. So being a gut type in this kind of is a way that helps you. It's a good good discipline for you is to use your body to connect with God through exercise and that kind of thing. But are there times when you need to not do that, when you need to um, practice maybe being still? Yeah, you're, it's, you're, what you're fishing at here is there's a contradiction that... I'm talking about being active in my body, but the spiritual discipline for the gut types is stillness because uh, we're disordered in our, our body and in our gut and in, in this intelligence center, which is a, a confusing thing because if this is like what you're really good at, then why would you be disordered in that? But what happens is we, we tend to deny that God-given capacity, and so we actually need help to take that... Uh, innate potential that God has given us and center it on the Lord and in his presence. We need, need to awaken it because there's so much that's been repressed. It's sort of like in leadership training in, in our Soul Shepherding Institute, one of our weeks is on on relationally healthy leadership. And we talk about a lot of the research, what, what helps us be effective in our areas of influence in, in our lives and our ministries. And uh, a key thing is learning to strengthen what we're good at. We tend to, we tend to focus too much on our our leadership weaknesses, and it's much more important to look at our, our gifts and our capacities and get better at what we're really good at. So that relates to the intelligence centers in, in that what you're really good at or can be good at is that that one of those three uh, learning styles and modes of being in the world. And so for us gut types, it is this capacity to be present in our body, in a moment, in an environment with, with people or with our work and to then have an, an intuition and an instinct about the, the best way to proceed that's going to love God and the people around us. But we have to be awake to our bodies to do that. And so a key part in that is learning to be still. I have trouble being still because I got all this energy in my body. And uh, you marvel about that sometimes, Christy. I wake up with energy. I, I, I have a, a, a lot of... Um, even the Enneagram nines, the peacemakers who struggle with energy, once they get going, they got a lot. They got a lot of energy. They're they're in they're in their bodies. So it's as I practice stillness through like breath prayers from the Bible. We have so many of these in our uh, in our book, Your Best Life in Jesus Easy Yoke, and we we teach these and when we talk places and in our institute because they're just simple ways to take a phrase of scripture and slow it down and really put our body into praying it. And then we go through the whole, uh, all three intelligence centers when we do that. And many of the, the spiritual discipline experiences, we guide people through all, all three corners there. It's good to see the ways that you have been growing in your ability to lean into that discipline of stillness and 
Seek God's presence there and rest in his presence. Learn to rest and learn to pay attention to even your body's need for rest. And at the same time, I appreciate the way that you also function in your giftedness and, and use your body instinctively to serve the Lord. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how sometimes being active with my body, moving, exercising, helps me to be still. And so there's actually a paradox there. Well, let's talk about the heart types. So Christy, you're, you're a heart type. And so you've got this tremendous source of wisdom and knowledge and uh, relationality and getting things done that's through your heart. Yeah, I'm always looking to kind of connect with people on an emotional basis and very concerned about what they're feeling or what they're you know experiencing, what they're needing, looking, to, looking very much to identify what their need is. And so that, that serves me well as a minister to be able to identify that. And, you know, certainly the Holy Spirit uses that to help me to be his conduit and to be able to kind of get to the maybe even things they're not conscious of, needs that they have or feelings and emotions that they're maybe repressing. But where it can become a problem for me is that I can lose myself in that <laughs> and I can not be aware of what I need and what I feel. And then in my efforts to, to love and to care for others so well, I lose myself. And then if I lose myself, I lose my connection to God. Totally and completely. Yeah, it's such a beautiful thing about you and all the heart types, that, that tender-hearted mercy and concern for others. And yet there's a sadness here that I uh, see for you and experience with you. We, we wrestle through this together. But when you are so... Uh, concern for other people and helpful, sometimes you get lost in that and you, you have trouble paying attention to your own feelings and your own needs. I do. And even my own gifts, even offering my mm -hmm. own gifts. So we were talking yesterday after being at church where a very gifted woman delivered the message, a great woman speaker, and um, thinking about the fact that yeah, my sensitivity for how maybe that felt to some people in the room would keep me from offering my gift in that that way, um, and so you know that that's an example where I can be over controlled by my sensitivity, holding others. back some hold of back the, the strength much. of your personality. Right, I'll hold back the strength, yeah, and because I don't want to overpower somebody, yeah. Because you know how it feels to be overpowered. Well, I do. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And then I think the other thing is a heart type is you know we're the ones really seeking esteem and affection, mm -hmm. and so. I can be real good at giving that and be very um, very good at encouraging other people, calling out their strengths, but it's very hard for me to act confidently in my own strength. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so the spiritual discipline uh, is really a, a whole category of spiritual disciplines that help you the most are, is solitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it gets me, I have to cut off that constant attuning to other people and preoccupation even and, and and it's real when I really take it to unhealth, it can be a preoccupation where I am just preoccupied by what everybody else around me, what I think they need or what I think they feel or what I think they want and feeling like I need to meet that. And so to have time in solitude really helps me to just connect and tune into God and give my full attention to Him and not be distracted by other people. And to be also getting in touch and opening my soul to him, to help him 
to show me what it is that I'm feeling and what it is that I'm needing. So the other day, Bill, you and I had a meeting, a Soul Shepherding Leadership meeting, and then we went for a walk. And we were walking and we were talking, and um, I said, you know, I think I just need a minute alone here. I'm just going to sit down here. That's so surprised me. You could go ahead and walk. Um, I didn't want you to walk too long. I said, but just, I knew knew you, you're the gut tight. You'd take it and go, and I wouldn't see you forever. Go 10 miles, be gone for two hours. I wouldn't see you forever. So I was like, just... Just do one of those laughs without me. But I was like, I, you know, I need some time alone. I didn't even know why, but I just, I just knew I did. And so I, I sat down, I ended up kind of laying down and closing my eyes and just immersing into that solitude and praying. And, and then when you came back and we started to walk more, all of a sudden all this emotion started to come out of me because I had gotten enough removed from being at that leadership table with everybody else and what they were thinking and feeling and then listening to you process to get in touch with what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And then it started to come out. And it was interesting because one of the things that came out, you even said in the car as we were leaving that meeting that you were afraid maybe I felt and I denied it. I said, oh no, I didn't feel that. And then here my emotions are coming out like, oh, apparently I did because <laughs> it was you know coming out of my emotions. So yeah, that solitude is an important discipline. So you were really harnessing your intelligence center there, and uh, this is so helpful because it illustrates how your your strength and your God given ability and uh, around your heart type and your your compassion, your connectivity with people, your uh, sensitivity for people, affirming people, which is so so beautiful in you, and yet that gets overplayed to the neglect of your own emotions and needs, and then you start to get disordered, and then that potentially even compromises your care for other people and, and the health healthiness of it. And so by knowing that you're a heart type and having that 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 wisdom, it helped you to recalibrate and to slow your yourself down, pull yourself out of relationship. Even, even with me, when so much of the time us being in relationship helps you to like be yourself, but you also need this this solitude, which is it's sort of counter uh, counterintuitive, it sort of goes against the grain of your personality in a way because you don't feel like you want that. You feel like you want to be with people all the time, but you get too much of that. And so the discipline of solitude actually makes a space for you to feel your own emotions and needs, and then you can re-engage in relationship in a healthier way where you're bringing your, your true self and the, the fullness of that. Right. It's like you were saying, there's a paradox in there. Yeah. And then we've got the the head types, the third intelligence center, the, the the thinkers who are strategizing and collecting ideas and information, and they're concerned about security and safety and survival, and so they're they're worrying about things, and they 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 don't want anything bad to happen, and they're sort of got contingency plans. They're they're concerned about the rules and doing doing and following those rules and and pleasing people, especially authority figures within that. And so this this is is the head types. I know there's a lot of you head types listening to us, tuning in, and we love you too. We do, and we need you. You know, all of these different intelligence centers, all of our different personalities are really important and needed in the body of Christ. So with the head types, they are tending to always look towards... Um, what you know, tuning into different things that are going on, they can be very distractible. Going to thing to thing that they're thinking about, and their tendency is to overthink things because their their tendency is to be preoccupied with um, kind of forecasting what what could happen and preparing for it, making plans. 
to, to be safe and not just for themselves, but for others too, you know, so we're, we're really thankful for these, these head types. They come up with great and important, you know, plans that are really helpful for society and community for, for safety. So the analogy for the head types is that they're like that duck that's uh, swimming out in the water and uh, really uh, seems so calm and uh, like everything is just fine. But, uh, but underneath the surface of the water, there's all this mud being stirred up as those those uh, feet are paddling. And and the, the head types have a lot of stuff churning inside, a lot of anxiety in there. So uh, recently I did some psychological testing with a pastor uh, who's a significant leader and very much fits this example. You look at him and uh, calm and confident, so much knowledge and wisdom to share with so many people. And yet uh, the, the testing showed what, what I knew from, from talking with him in the context of the counseling. Is, wow, there's, there's a lot of anxiety in here. There's a lot of stress that's been internalized and uh, fears and worries and repressed anger and, and grief that hasn't been grieved and all, all of this emotion that's, that's underneath that, that, that calm demeanor and that, that sense of focus. Well, the, the head types can be very much busy with their, their thinking, with their problem solving, with coming up with solutions and, and fixing things. And so they really need, they really need some time of stillness to be, I'm sorry, they need time of, of um, silence. silence. Thank you. Which helps to be still. Yes. <laughs> need times of silence where they can really not be distracted and going so fast in their head and have times of silence to be able to hear God through all of the competing messages and ideas and thoughts and ideas and plans, especially plans are often v- busy with plans that they're making, to hear God's plans. Yeah, the head types tend to be multitaskers. They just they get lots of balls that they're juggling, lots of options, and to have a quiet mind is very elusive for the head types. Uh, and yet in, in health... In, in growth, they develop this, and that's when their, their thinking is like most powerful, most insightful, and most helpful is when they can, can get centered and get into the, mm-hmm. the, the best thoughts and the best ideas such that they're connecting with relationships and spirituality and emotion. And then it's like, wow, we learn so much from those head types. And they might, might avoid it because when they get into silence, they might get feel bored at first. And they might want that distraction and that stimulus. And so they have to kind of push through that and embrace that sense of boredom at first in order to really be able to hear God in the silence and connect to that deeper thinking. Yeah, boredom feels like death for the head types, but it, it's getting to the other side of the boredom, boredom where there is real life and flourishing and thriving and so it works this way for all three intelligence centers because these disciplines uh, for the gut type, the stillness, for the heart type, the solitude, and for the head type, the silence, these types of disciplines are all disciplines of self-denial or abstinence in which we are abstaining from certain activities in order to uh, be present to God and then to ourself and other people. I know, I know for me... When I first started practicing solitude, it felt horrible to me because it felt like abandonment. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn that I could be in solitude and that I wasn't alone, that, mm-hmm. that God was there for me. And I had to learn to be able to connect to God's presence as being enough for me. 
And part of the way you did that is not only through being alone with the Lord in quiet prayer and in scripture meditation or maybe at the beach or in nature, but it's also through engaging in relationship after the solitude. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things we do with our Soul Shepherding Institute is we practice disciplines in community and where we have an opportunity to have that rhythm of the disciplines of abstinence and the disciplines of engagement and doing that together in community and then some time alone. And, and so it, it's a holding community in that in a safe way to venture on the Lord into some of these disciplines. And in doing that, then you start to get an appetite for the discipline because you realize how helpful it is and how much you need it. But it helps to, I don't know that I could have started really enjoying and appreciating that discipline without doing it in community because that gave me the courage to really lean in. Right, because other people are practicing solitude at the same time you are. Yes. And we do five hours of solitude every day in the Institute. We call it TLC time for To Love Christ. And we, we make it easy for everybody. Most people that come to us, including the, the pastors and, and high-level leaders, uh, whatever their background, most people have not spent much time in solitude and silence. And so five hours can seem a little intimidating, but we make it easy because we give you some resources to sort of get you started. And this, this dynamic of the interplay of solitude and community is so helpful and so this is really well, then we do it in a place of beauty, which also is yeah. a, a huge help and consolation too. Yeah. And so just wrapping up, this is a real key here with the intelligence centers that in each, each type with the, the, the gut, the heart, and the head, we've got this great potential for uh, knowledge and wisdom and love, but we're disconnected and disordered there. And so we need to get retuned in, re-synced up, recalibrated. Uh, by the rhythms of grace that Jesus brings us and the wisdom of the scriptures. And so th that first movement, if you're a gut type like me, into stillness is difficult because you feel restless. You want your, you want your, your body wants to go all over the place. You, you want to react. You've got this impulse inside. Being still is the last thing you want to do. So as I illustrated, sometimes you, you start by, by walking or moving or, or hiking to, to get into a place of stillness. And then you can... Be, be present in your body and be calm and, and not be moving and experience God in that. And so I've done disciplines like shutting myself in my closet for an hour in the dark and not moving at all and just, just being still in prayer. It's like, well, now that's, that's a real challenge. But you learn by doing that, just like as a heart type. You go into solitude, you learn from that because some of what you feel is actually painful or stressful or difficult, like you were sharing, Christy, you know, is... Solitude feels like abandonment, or it feels like you know you're being punished, put in time out as as a child, and so. But actually, feeling that is part of the value of the discipline because now you can pray about that, mm -hmm. and now you can can talk to a safe person after your time of solitude about that, and, and experience some healing there. And if you're a head type and you're always thinking and you're you've got busy brain, all, you know all the time and multitasking, so many balls that you you like to juggle. To be silent is going to drive you crazy. You want noise on. You want the radio playing. You want people talking. You want the TV on. You want music playing all the time, everywhere. But just to have it be quiet, is at first, it's going to be stressful. But you got to push through that to get to the other side of that. Or it's going to be boring or mundane. But if you work with that, then you have some emotion that you can pray about. And you can talk to somebody about. And you can find that inner stillness. And then when we, when we do that, if you're a head type, now you're harnessing the real power of that intelligence center. 
And so all the intelligence centers work that way. Jesus, how grateful we are for how you made us, each so so unique, and yet each an expression of you in beautiful ways, and the ways that you are drawing us to yourself, to more full expression of you, more full knowledge and experience of you, and that you and your goodness is enough for each one of us, that you are truly the source of our desires for for power and control, you are all powerful. You have all that we need for esteem and affection. You love us so greatly and esteem us so highly. And for that security and survival, you're the one that provides for our needs. You're the one that's the resurrection and the life. Thank you, Jesus. Continue to grow us in our confidence in you. Amen. You can order a copy of our book, Your Best Life in Jesus' Easy Yoke, on the Soul Shepherding website or Amazon. I love how Bill's book engages us with the Lord Jesus to help us distress and thrive in life and ministry. Each chapter features inspiring teaching, Bible studies, spiritual discipline experiments, and soul talk questions. It's great for personal devotions or small groups. You can follow Soul Shepherding on Facebook and by getting our weekly blog in your email.